Hello and welcome back to Last Guys Off the Bench, a podcast where you get expert NBA analysis from expert lifetime bench warmers. My name is Josh Kane, and of course, I am joined today by none other than Darcy Fraley and Juan Aranda. What's up, boys? How y'all doing? How's it going, man? It is going well. Hell of a day. Hell of a time. Hell of a basketball season. I know you had to postpone that bet for the Grizzlies Blazers, and now you're just kind of lost. Hey, it would have been a lock. <laughs> would have been a lock. Would have been a lock. Revenge game. Revenge game lock. We are recording today's episode on Wednesday, January 20th. And as of today, uh, something that Juan astutely pointed out earlier this week off the pod, we are about 20% through this year's abbreviated NBA season. We're now at the point in the season where a ton of storylines are shifting from overreactions to legitimate causes for celebration or causes for concern. So we're going to break down a bunch of those takes today, and we're going to start with Juan's favorite, the San Antonio Spurs. Let's go. Revenge season. Revenge season. That's right. <laughs> Lock it. <laughs> Lock it in. <laughs> the Spurs currently sit as uh, the fifth place team in the Western Conference, and they've got eight wins and six losses. So let's just start out with a simple question. Lakers or Spurs? Team of the <laughs> the playoffs. Yeah. Can this team beat the Lakers? <laughs> Hey, we took one in the season series. We took one. Dude, you know, if LeBron gets hurt and AD gets hurt and Dennis Schroeder gets hurt. <laughs> now you're talking. We're talking. We're talking. Yeah. All right. All right. What do you guys think, though? I, I uh, as, a, as a fan, I want to hear some unbiased opinions based on what you've seen. You've seen a fifth of the season. I think you have a good sample size now to make some make some predictions, I guess. You want to go first, Josh? Yeah, sure. I've been actually watching a bit more of this team over their past couple of games. So I've seen a couple of nice wins that they've had. And I don't know. I think they look pretty legit. Now, my definition of them looking legit is being able to fight for a 7th or 8th seed in the West when mm-hmm. they shake out. I'm not saying that they're going to be a, a 5 seed like they are right now. But I think they're definitely going to be a contender to try and make a late season run into the playoffs. I love what I've seen from Jonche Murray. He's been, he's been a stud on both ends of the court. He's really looking like the game's slowing down for him. And it's really cool to see him kind of just be involved everywhere and get people involved and activate the teammates around him. DeMar's been balling out and they've got a pretty, they've got a pretty deep team. And I like what I see. And I think they're going to keep gelling as we move along. Yeah. I think these guys, these young guys are blossoming perfect, like all at the right time, right? Kelton Johnson's a second year player. DeJounte Murray is, I think, a fifth-year or a fourth-year player, and they're both playing great at the same time. Whereas, you know, the worry was like, well, are we going to have to wait another two years for Keldon Johnson to develop, and then Murray is going to be probably on another team or whatever. But they're all blossoming perfectly at the right time. So they've got a lot of depth going. And And, uh, if we're talking about upside, they've still got Derek White waiting to make his season debut. That's some upside for the rest of the season for them as they're able to get him back into the mix and get him back into the starting lineup alongside Jonathan Murray in that backcourt. That might also throw a wrench into things when they have to kind of figure out how to fit this extra piece in once again after they've already been rolling. But it seems like they're just going to have momentum. They're going to keep putting momentum as the season goes on. It's a classic pop team. It's a classic Popovich team. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I feel like um, I can't remember exactly what we said for their projections on the year. Uh, but I feel like we said like 39, 38 wins, right? 
and kind of would be hovering around. We said like right about at even, like right at 500 basically is what we Yeah, so that's 36. Over. Yeah, well, so like right now they're kind of like trending towards that. Yeah. Usually their net rating, they're 11th or 30th out of the league. Their defensive rating, they're top 10. Their offense isn't that, isn't that great, but their point differential is a little bit better than what I would have expected. I think they're middle of the road. I think they have a really good team. I don't think they're anything special. I think they can compete for the eight seed. I don't think they'll be above that. And I could see them just kind of falling out of that too, just because the West is going to be pretty competitive um, with those other teams that are below them right now, like Denver and uh, Dallas, who we expect to be above them for sure. Uh, but there is a gap with Houston kind of like completely dropping off. Even if they catch a semblance of themselves, they're, they're probably going to be under 500 or right around 500. Um, and the Warriors, you can expect to be right around 500. So I think they have a shot, you know, can they be better than the Grizzlies? Um, Josh's lock against the Blazers. Uh, you know, are they better than the Blazers? I don't think so. I don't think they're. I don't know if they're better than the Grizzlies. Pro- that's probably a push for me. What do you think, Josh? Grizzlies or Spurs? With the Grizzlies at full strength, kind of similarly, they have. They're still waiting for Jaron Jackson Jr. to come back. Right now, Valanciunas is out for a couple of games because of COVID protocols. Mainly, once it seems gets Jaron Jackson Jr. back on the court, I think Memphis is Memphis is going to be in that same spot as San Antonio. I don't know who's going to maybe eke it out. Hell, they could play in a playing game for all I know. It could be that close. But I, I think Memphis and San Antonio are both on a pretty similar track. I mean, you guys are not including Drew Eubanks, who's on the COVID protocols. I mean, dude, and Drew Eubanks, Eubanks back. Dude, Eubanks. Smooth, smooth lefty. You know, honestly, the amount of times we've, we've mentioned him on this pod is like way too much <laughs> for, how, for how good he is. But I really do like him. Um, He's just fun. Yeah, he is fun. I kind of like him more than Pirtle. And I, I, maybe that's like blasphemous right now. But I mean, Pirtle's playing lights out, but. Yeah, you know he is he recently. He's like the he's the big man version of TJ McConnell. That's all that it is, right? He's like the center <laughs> oh, version shit. of McConnell. Dude, yeah, we get <laughs> that's him, why we McDermott, that's why we gravitated. Eubanks, dude, we're we're talking about some a hell of a team right there. The the that shooter team. on uh, the Raptors, Matt Thomas or whatever his name is, is that his name? He's nasty. Yeah, Matthias on, the, on the Sixers. About, but... Yeah, dude, Dang, we can dude. we can we can round this out for sure. But I I. I really like their uh, roster, though. Like, the, the Spurs really do have a lot of young guys that I, I really like to watch. Like, Murray, it's good to see him healthy and fully playing. Kelton Johnson is nasty. I love watching him, and I just, like, love his stroke. Lonnie Walker's a lot of fun. I'm a big Rudy Gay fan, so I'm into this team. Juan, I've got a question for you. We've talked a lot so far with the Spurs about some of their, like, positive trajectory Youth notes. Movement. How about How about the old guys on this team, mainly LaMarcus Aldridge? What do you think of his season? Is he tired? Is he washed? Is he both? Where, where do you stand? What can we expect from LaMarcus moving forward? So a lot of Spurs fans are down on him just because, I mean, last year he was putting up 20 points a game still, right? And I and efficiently, his defense was bad. The, the defensive aspect is because he's old, right? Like he just, he can't, you know, he doesn't have the step to keep up on a switch and he always gets burned. But, you know, it's not lack of effort anymore. It used to be lack of effort in Portland. He kind of got the hang of like, all right, I can try on defense and be successful during his prime. Now he can't, even if he's trying. But I think the expectation is sort of skewed. It's, I think it's very skewed. So Marc Gasol is the exact same age as LaMarcus Aldridge. Do you know how many points he's averaging? Probably single digits. Six? Yeah. I had to guess. Five. Four and a <laughs> yeah. half. Four and a half points. Four and a half rebounds and two assists a game on 20 minutes. So, you know, he's playing less than half the game. He's contributing when he can. He's not having a good year, but he's 35, right? 
So you, people look at Marcus Sol and are like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Like he's he's doing what he can with what he has. You look at Marcus Aldridge, he's playing 28 minutes a game, a considerable bump. He's still a starter and he's averaging 15, five and two. Like, he's, like the rebounds are the same. The assists are the same, but he's putting up 15 points a game. So I think it's all perspective. I'm not, he's 35. He's not the, the number one on this team anymore, but he's contributing. Like when he, when he uh, gets the ball, he, he gets a bucket. And I think that's all they need from him. Right. I think part of this transition of the young guys getting this space is the older guys are going to get less opportunities. And I think LaMarcus Aldridge right now is that guy. And I think that's fine. I think it's just what? perspective. How, how many shots was Gasol getting or is, is he getting how many attempts? Let's look it up real quick. Because I feel like it's got to be less than seven. And Aldridge is getting oh, yeah. 14, right? And he's getting more minutes. His rebounds are his rebounds are down, you know? They're, yeah, he they had are. seven and a half last year. He had nine the year before that. Um, his points downward. have been escalating downward. His attempts at the free throw line are going down. He's getting one a game as opposed to almost four last year, five the year before that. Like, he's right, getting what, old. What I'm saying he's, is why, should he, why shouldn't they? You know, this is a natural progression, but he still has a role on this team. I'm not expecting him to be the number one. That's what I'm saying is well, like, he, why he are we holding the it? Two or the number three? Exactly. Yeah, but why are we holding that against him? He's 35. Like, well, he well, Marcus Aldridge gets five million, and and Lamarcus Aldridge gets 28. How many? How much does he get paid, dude? He gets 20. <laughs> he gets 20, which is, you know, what is Danny Green getting? 15. If if Danny Green's getting 15, <laughs> and Lamarcus that's Aldridge true, is getting that's 20. True. That's true, but neither of them should be getting paid either of that. Right, but he at least Aldridge kid. deserved it at one point. What I'm saying is that if at 30, if at 31 he was averaging 22, and then at 34 he was averaging 19, and at 35 he's averaging 15, this is like a smooth decline. It's not something out of the ordinary. Like these are well, these are the numbers I more efficiently. Our, Tim well, Duncan was putting up at 36. There also is a piece of this, at least from the limited sample size that I've seen from the last couple of Spurs games that I've seen. Aldridge just doesn't pass the eye test. Like, I know he's putting up those numbers. I know he's getting those shots. And I know he's probably performing at a level that is reasonable to be expected of him. But when he is on the court, he looks like he can't move. He is incompetent on defense. He gets open looks, but solely because he's not moving and the team he's playing against is just letting him be open. It's these. I, I think a lot of his stats are, are empty stats. And I am worried that he still might be t- too involved. With, with too much of a hit on their payroll to actually like help this team succeed. I, I, think that's I completely agree, idea. dude. I, it's not that Aldridge can't put up a couple di- couple points and, you know, give you some half decent minutes. I just think those minutes would be better used on somebody else, so either developing I, or otherwise. I get that. I just think that for whatever reason, I think because, you know, first it was with Kawhi and he was like a big free agent signing. And then after Kawhi, he was the guy for a couple of years like I said, I think there's sort of like a bias on what you expect from him. So like, if I name you other 35 year old players, you know, the, the standards are different, right? Like Paul Millsap doesn't have the same expectations. Paul Millsap is a 35 year old guard now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He's 35. PJ Tucker's 35. You know, you, the only, the only other 35 year old who's like seriously balling is Chris Paul. Right. And then obviously you have the freak of nature, LeBron, but that's not a, that's not a fair uh, comparison. But what I'm saying, what I'm trying to say is he's doing well compared to other players his age. I don't think he's massively overpaid and it's not a lack of effort on defense. He's just too slow. Now he plays less minutes than he used to, and he doesn't close out the games that much. So I'm okay. He really with doesn't. 
two days ago when the Spurs kind of ended up routing the Trailblazers. Pirtle came into the game with 10 minutes left in the fourth, and the Spurs were up by like two points. He basically, Pirtle stayed in for the rest of the game, and through that entire run, the Spurs ended up winning by like 20. And and Pirtle was was the guy kind of helping to lead that charge. Yeah. And on, so, a, yeah, on a close I, game, if you compare it to like a game that's tight, before he would close out the game, he'd come in at the six minute mark, right? And he'd play those last six minutes. Now, Pop will still put him in if it's tight because he needs, a, like, in case he needs a bucket, right? But he'll only play the last three. So yeah. he's not he's not there for the whole closing run. And I think that's perfect. I guess what I'm saying is I'm not expecting the same out of him. I think for a 35-year-old who is, like, still trying to get into rhythm for the season, I think it's fine. I also think the shortened offseason didn't let him get him into, like, tip-top shape because he, he does look slow. There's no denying that he's not in as good of a shape as he could have been in as good of a shape as he was last season. So there's, I think there's a, there's a striking balance. I think he shouldn't have the same role, but I think we're crushing him in a way that no other 35 year old is getting crushed. <laughs> I'm not, I don't, yeah, I'm not trying to, I'm not comparing him to other 35 year olds. I guess I'm comparing him to like other people on his team. I just don't think it benefits the Spurs to be playing him 27 minutes. I think he is a 20 minute and a night guy. I know seven I minutes think- doesn't seem like a lot, but. I just think that he's like Josh said, he's benefiting on teams, not expecting him to do anything. So I'm, if like someone's going to get an open shot. Yeah. Like LaMarcus is still a bucket. Even if no, like if no one's mm-hmm. guarding him, that shot's still money. Anyway, I think there'll be a playoff team. I do think the other teams that are struggling are going to rise up and you're, we're probably going to be fighting for that play in area, hopefully on like the seventh and eighth seed side rather than the ninth and 10th seed. Yeah. But the one com- two comments I was going to add were, one, they're a top 10 defense. I think Darcy said that. And that's like Pop finally, you know, whipping those guys back into defensive shape. Because that's what they've always won on defense. They've never been – well, they were the, the 2014 year. But the, uh, aside from that year, they've always been a top five, top 10 defense. That's yeah. really good. And two, I don't understand why everyone's surprised that they changed their game. Because that's what Pop has done every five years, depending on his roster. So I think it took him a year to get the hang of things. But he, he adjusted to the new NBA, and he's adjusting to the roster that he has, and that's always been his game. So I'm glad that it finally happened. If they can upgrade on offense without hurting their defense, I don't know what that looks like at the trade deadline. I know they're not usually very active, but talking like a small piece, yeah, it can make a big difference. Like if they can crack the top 15 on offense and keep their top 10 defense. I think Derek White coming back is going to that's be true. a shot of adrenaline to the season. That's true. I, I forgot he hasn't been playing. I think basically getting him back is going to be the same as making an acquisition of the deadline. You know, right. it, it, that's basically going to fill that role. So yeah. great point. No, that's a yeah. great point. The rotation is nine players right now. I want to see all of these guys just keep playing. These are young guys who are going to be hopefully just outgunning the teams they, they go against. And it's going to be a hell of a ride. Yeah. Uh, well, to your point, I think when Derek White comes back, I think he's going to for sure take away the rookie Devin Vassell's minutes because he played one game this season and the one game that he played, Devin Vassell didn't play. Mm-hmm. And then I think he's also going to take Aldridge's minutes. I think they're just going to go small with Pirtle. So Yeah, yeah I'd imagine uh, Vassell's, Lyle's minutes, uh, some, some of Lonnie Walker's minutes. But seeing, I bet they do that lineup where DeRozan's at the four a lot more when Der- Derek White comes back. I don't know if they've been doing that. I haven't been watching the Spurs too much. But If we're talking about the closing lineup, is it going to be DeJounte Murray at point? with Derek White at shooting guard and then a combination of Keldon Johnson and or DeMar DeRozan at the three, four, and then mm-hmm. Pirtle at the five. Is that how they're closing games? I would do that or go super small and keep Lonnie in or keep, or put Gay at the five. 
Gay plays a lot of five. Depend. So I think it'll be depending on the team they're matched up against, right? Like if the other team has a real true five, you know, like a real big man who plays in the post, I think they're going to put Pirtle. They do Gay a lot at the five right now. Honestly, if Lonnie Walker, he's because he's streaky. If he has a good shooting night, he's going to close out the game. If he's not hitting his threes, then I think they put in Johnson instead. But I think it's some version of DeJounte and Derek if he's healthy. And then either Lonnie or Keldon, DeRozan. Mm-hmm. And uh, depending on what the situation is, Gay and Pirtle. I think you're right that as the season progresses, Aldridge is not going to be closing games anymore. Hey, this conversation right here is why you come to Last Guys on the Bench because out of nowhere, we pulled a solid 20-minute conversation out of our back pockets <laughs> about the San Antonio Spurs. And you got to love it. You got to love it. I love it. Let's move on. I love it. <laughs> Let's move on. We already mentioned some teams that are kind of underperforming to start the year, and the Toronto Raptors are definitely one of them. They are 13th in the Eastern Conference right now, and they have only five wins and eight losses, and that's after going on a two- or three-game win streak the past mm-hmm. week. Yeah, we've come to expect teams coached by Nick Nurse to always succeed, if not overachieve in the regular season. And this Toronto team is not doing that. And they're not even close right now. What's the deal? I don't think they'll make the playoffs, to be honest. Um, Kyle Lowry is still playing well, but I think age is catching up to him a little bit. He's not uh, putting as many points up, though. And he's not as efficient either. And uh, Siakam just, I don't know what happened there. I don't know if you guys can tell me what happened there, but I don't know. He just doesn't have that second move, man. As soon as somebody knows which way he's going to go, he's, he's shut out, right? Like he's he's built to be like your third best player, and I don't think he's capable of being your second or your first. And right now he's expected to be the leading man on this team. Yeah, I mean, I I, I guess I still don't view him that way, but that, that must be the way they're really trying to play because they're losing a lot of games. Like you said, they're not – I don't even think they're competing well. They're not. They This team right now, they their defensive rating doesn't necessarily show it, and, like, some of their metrics don't exactly show it, but they cannot play defense at all. And, and that should be where they shine because they, they are long. Be. And, like, with uh, Boucher and, and Siakam, you know, yeah, Van Fleet and Lowry are terrible up at the front there, but they put effort in. On top of that, they just can't close out games. And part of that is because their defense, because they're incapable of actually shutting down a closing star. And then another big part of why they can't close out games is because of Siakam. Because they do they do try to finish these games with the ball in Siakam's hand. And mm-hmm. he, he just hasn't been able to pull it off for them. Well, and I respect the effort of trying and seeing what that would look like because you have to know, honestly, if he can be your leading man or not. But, yeah, I just don't see I, – I, He's your, he's your third best guy. He's your Iguodala. So and Iguodala is better than Siakam, but sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. Did you say Iguodala is better than Siakam? He was, like, yeah. Primes? Yeah, yeah, at his best, he was better than Siakam. Yeah, that's true. I, I laughed at that, but no, you're right. You're right. Um, so at the top, they're pretty even in terms of uh, – on offense in terms of points per game. So Lowry's averaging 19. Mm-hmm. Van Vliet is averaging 19. Siakam's averaging 19. And then Boucher is averaging uh, 16. So my boy, Chris Boucher. I like yeah. the spread out there. That's nice. But the question is, I think they're trying to like, like you said, they're closing with Siakam and we've seen, you know, a bunch of highlights that go viral of like him getting shut down when it matters. Is, do you think, <laughs> even though they're trying to get away from Lowry, just like as of age, you know, trying to pass the torch, do mm-hmm. they need to go back to him the way they used them last year? Or do you think, you know, you just 
deal with the it's because i don't even want to call them growing pains like siakam hasn't improved and that's a problem I yeah growing pains i remember i remember when siakam broke onto the scene and he had his breakout year two years ago i i can't tell you how many deep dives and pieces i saw pop up on the internet about siakam's spin move his spin move was the hottest thing in the nba and now as darcy alluded to earlier it's the only thing he can do and teams know it. And his, yeah. like his most lethal move is shut down now every time because everyone knows what's going to come. For sure. Yeah. And well, you, know, you just know what to expect and you're guarding for it when you're, when that, that's your best player. So all the team defenses are kind of like geared towards that. You know, it's crazy though. Like part of me says like the season's a wash, like fuck it, trade Lowry and just kind of like let the season like run its course. The other part of me says this team is still like the roster is still really good. They just need somebody who can come in and like make a shot and take a shot a la like DeRozan or like somebody like that. They need somebody who's capable of doing that. And then they, all of a sudden they're probably a top four team in the East again. Boucher for DeRozan. <laughs> I wasn't saying trade for DeRozan. I just mean like somebody who can, who can create but, their I, own shot. I just think it's funny though, but like, you said a la DeRozan, but that's exactly what they need, right? Like, they'd be so yeah. much better with DeRozan right now. <laughs> they really would yeah. be. Let's talk about Chris Boucher for a second. Honestly, he's been one of the hottest players in the NBA to start the season. Right now, he's legitimately a candidate for most improved player of the year and sixth man of the year because he's still coming off the bench. He's averaging 16 points and seven boards and two and a half blocks while only playing 23 minutes a game. And he's shooting at 60% from the floor. He's making 47% of his threes, and he's really just been lights out. Is he for real? Is Boucher the real deal? Is Boucher someone who can help to alleviate some pressure from a guy like Siakam? He needs more minutes, man. For sure. I didn't know he was only playing 23 minutes per game. Yeah, you got to find out. He's got to be averaging 32 minutes a game. You got to give him this extra nine and see what he can do. Can he get you to 22 points and 10 rebounds and three blocks? Looks like he can. Yeah, like yeah, what do you what do you get from at this point? You're looking, you're trending to not making the playoffs. You're playing not that well, especially in the closing minutes. What do you have to lose, right? Like, stop putting, stop bringing him from the bench. Don't let him win the sixth man award. Put him in the starting lineup. Take minutes away from you know whoever you need to, and find out, right? I'm not saying that you immediately just like run the offense through him, but clearly he's done a lot with a little. So find out what he can do with a lot. Yeah, it's awesome to see him succeed too. Like, I mean, um, I think we had talked about him last year when he was in the bubble. Like, he was he was fun to watch, and I understand why he wasn't getting minutes over Ibaka or Gasol. But yeah, yeah really yeah. glad they moved off of them because he's a beast, man. I think he's something that can like he can really turn into something. Um, I didn't realize he was twenty eight. Damn, I thought he was younger. I didn't realize, I didn't know he was that old. What the hell? What the hell's he been doing? You know, uh, I was kind of surprised about on the Raptors that uh, I guess is a little underwhelming. Um, at least in terms of production so far, as Terrence Davis. I thought he was really good in the bubble last year, and he's not getting much run. He's not. He's only getting 12 minutes a game. And he's somebody who can score and can attack the attack the hoop. And, you know, again, not somebody who's going to be your number one option by any means, but he's a rotation player. Do you think that – because I think Pop ran into this problem last year when they were dropping games at a rate that they weren't used to. Do you think Nurse is, like, struggling with giving these young guys minutes – in like close games, he feels like they need to get the win. So he's just relying, he's going back to old reliable, right? You know, maybe he just feels like they're, the team as a whole is not in a position to start handing out minutes to players that I guess he's not expecting to close out games. No, that's fair. And, and you know, at the end of the day, this team's going to be close to 500, if not slightly above it. And 
I know you said they probably won't make the playoffs, but we know the race is really close in, in the East. And, you know, they're only a couple of games back out of it's, it's a clusterfuck there from 13 yeah. to six. Um, yeah. And you have teams like the Knicks and the Cavs up there that aren't well-run <laughs> organizations. Doesn't mean that they won't stay up there, but, you know, I'm trying to be kind here. Um, you know, like Cleveland is just a misfit collection of toys um, that really nobody wants. Um, the Knicks have two players that people like, and or maybe three, if you want to count Randall Robinson and uh, Barrett. And then after that, it's kind of like, eh, everybody else is whatever. Who else is hey, floating around? Emmanuel quickly, best floater in the NBA. Best floater in the NBA. Just set watch old, him. Set <laughs> old, set old. I don't know. I've seen Lamelo's just bounce off the top of the backboard a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> Worst floater in the NBA? <laughs> but, you know, you make a good point, though. Like, maybe that's why some of these guys aren't getting more minutes. Because it, some of these games, so not, not the games, but the records are close and they expect to make the playoffs. Yeah, I think I think it has, you know, if you're doing well, you can afford to, you know, lose a game here and there or mess around with your lineup. That's my theory. I think that maybe there's just like this pressure of, oh, crap, we need to keep, we need to win these. I think that's why Lowry's getting 37 minutes. I think that's why Van Vliet is getting 36 minutes. Well, Lowry's, they, they've both been good. I, you know, and I'm looking at that. You were mentioning the scoring spread before, but they're top. They have six guys in double figures, um, which is a lot. Normally you see four or maybe five, but they'll have six yeah. guys in double figures, three of them close to 20. That's pretty solid. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but... I, having Stanley Johnson play any minutes is a problem. And Aaron Baines <laughs> looks like a shell of himself. I don't know what happened after he left the Celtics, but he hasn't looked the same in the past couple of years. That's my point, um, though. If you look at their minutes spread, it looks like they have a six-man rotation. Exactly. Yeah, no, you're 100% yeah, like... right. And that's where I feel like somebody like Terrence Davis should, needs to step up. He needs the chance, in my opinion. Maybe he's not doing something in practice. Or even somebody like Matt, uh, Matt Thomas. I joke, but he can stroke it. You know he's gonna he's not gonna hurt you and he's gonna give you what some about, points on from three. Do what it, Josh, about our do DC it. George yes. Washington University native yes. Utah Watanabe? Yes. Oh that my guy's god, gotta get some run. He's so nasty. You know how I he's, feel about him. He should be he should be getting so 20 minutes a game for sure. He's Yo, been, he's sharp, uh, dude, he's sharp. has been uh been a fan favorite of last guys off the bench for a long time. We saw him play in Capital One Arena when he was going through some some conference championship stuff for whatever whatever league GW is in. Right? Tom sprained his ankle. That was nasty. Not good, nasty. Dude, but he is he's Nick so Nurse, smart, Nick Nurse. so cerebral. Perfect guy for Nick Nurse. Coach on the floor. If Nick Nurse is listening right now, McConnell stop being afraid. Play you to Watanabe. That's right. Dude, and Malachi Flynn was nasty at San Diego State. I'm a little biased because he's like in our backyard right now, but. All right, enough Raptors. <laughs> okay, <talk>. guys. <laughs> we got, we got, we got crickets on. there. But one, one last thing. One last thing. Um, Alex Len sucks. At least on Toronto. Alex Len got waived today. He's not even on the team anymore. Oh, he got waived God. by Raptors today. Yeah. Oh, so, breaking news. Josh Baum. Yeah. Uh, Josh Baum. <laughs> So Alex Len, <laughs> Alex Len is out, and hopefully that is a sign that Nick Nurse is going to shake some things up. Alex Len has been getting about 10 minutes per game, and maybe that's 10 extra minutes for Chris Boucher. I'm not sure. It's 11 minutes too many. <laughs> why Chris there, Boucher, man. I genuinely think, is going to be a key for this team, and I think that's one of the easiest – Chris Boucher is one of the easiest ways for Nick Nurse to just kind of throw out something new and unlock something on both ends of the ball. He needs one minute. He does. When Boucher is in the game, the Raptors outscore their opponent by 6.6 points per 100 possessions. 
When he's mm-hmm. out of the game, the Raptors are outscored by 6.9 points per 100 possessions. That's a 12-point swing with Boucher in the game and on the bench. All right, so 20 minutes on the Spurs, a solid 10 minutes on the Raptors. Now let's finally move on to another team. How about the New Orleans Pelicans? Juan, Darcy, we've talked a lot about these guys at the beginning of the season uh, after their coaching change. You think there's a third Van Gundy brothers? Just like, a, eh, there might be, right? Stan, Jeff, and like Greg. You know? <laughs> Greg and Greg's Jeff. just like, he like owns like a concrete <laughs> business or something. 100%. <laughs> He's just like, he doesn't do construction. He makes the construction blocks. You know, the lost Van Gundy brother. The lo- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, the, it's like the Mario lost levels, but it's the lost Van Gundy. He's like jumping over bricks and shit. That'd be amazing. Yeah, that's pretty dope. <laughs> that's how I feel about uh, the Pelicans. Because for real though, no, they. <laughs> that's the hottest take that we have. All I say, like, free JJ Redick. Get rid of JJ. Like JJ Redick needs to come back to the Sixers or any other team that deserves him, like the Warriors, the Celtics. Like, get him out of there. Because he's just not getting enough minutes. He's not closing. They're putting J.J. Hart over him. Lonzo Ball's playing over him and closing. I just like, I can't do it. I can't stand it. This I, team uh... has five wins and eight losses. So they're, they're not performing. Panic! <laughs> yeah, panic mode. <laughs> they're like one game behind the Spurs. <laughs> what was the <laughs> Blow it up. <laughs> Talk about overreaction. <laughs> you know what's bothering me about this team? And I, and I you know, we've all listened to the podcast and, and read the articles on this, but like, how Ingram is like basically the guy they're running everything through, like you see to Turkoglu in 2009 and Zion's Dwight in 2009. And it's like Zion is not Dwight. He's like, he can do everything and you're not running anything for him. Not that you need to, but it's like, can there be a little balance, you know? Yeah. So one thing that's surprising, and I don't know if it's, I don't want to accredit it to this because it really shouldn't matter this much, but I was going to say, I don't know if it's because Lonzo Ball's been out a few games. I know he's important for them defensively. But they started off the first five games like one of the best teams defensively, right? They, I remember I read an article five games into the season that I was like, oh, like the Pelicans have really turned it around. They're going to win through defense. But now we're uh, fifth of the way in the season. They're, I believe, 20th in uh, defensive rating. So one of the worst team, bottom third, like that's not good. Yeah. And then they're 18th in offensive rating. So they're not that's good. Not good. The ball. That's not good. That's not and good. And they should be really good on offense. They should also right. be really good on defense. If you think about the guys that they have, they, yeah. Adams. Steven, they have Steven Adams and Zion, who are both physical freaks. And beyond that, I mean, they've got a ton of long, rangy wings who, who should yeah. be able to defend the ball. How many minutes is Reddick getting? 21? I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty... Uh... How many minutes is Josh Hart getting? Too many. Oh, 29? Yeah, too, <laughs> yeah. too many. Those should, those should be flipped. Those should be flipped. You know who should be playing more? I think is a uh, Jackson Hayes and Melly. Like I think both of those guys should be getting more minutes. Melly oh, is nasty. Nasty two years ago. Yeah, like why? Why can't he be nasty still? You know, I just think they're not giving him a shot. He's like the new Ilyasova. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, I think the Van Gundy hire—they were going to change their identity to be defensive, and they have not been good defensively. I think that you're right. They need to start running through Zion. I'm pretty scared of like the trajectory they're they're taking. If they don't make yeah. the playoffs, I don't know. I think they might like Griffin might panic. <laughs> I don't know. I think they have to fire Van Gundy if they don't make the playoffs, or or bring in Jameer Nelson. Let me say this. Let me say this. One beacon of hope for the Pelicans. Maybe <laughs> Rashad Lewis. <laughs> 
One beacon of hope for the Pelicans is that Brennan Ingram is still only 19 years old. So plenty of time to build. Yeah. <laughs> you know, next you know. Kevin Durant. All right, Donnie Shrupp. For those of you who don't know, Donnie is a longtime best friend of Darcy Fraley and also just a huge basketball fan. So we're happy to have him on the pod today. And the one thing we really wanted to bring him on to talk about is the infamous Grant line. So Juan, why don't you finally give us a detailed definition? What is the Grant line? Well, Donnie, <laughs> are you aware, aware of a one Jeremy Grant? Oh yeah. Um, have you- Sixers, seen, man. Yeah, have you seen what he's been doing in, uh, in uh, Detroit this year? Yeah, he's actually, uh, he's on my fantasy team, so. Oh my God. So you're well aware. I've been watching him pretty close um, on the fantasy app. Not in real life. <laughs> not in real, yeah. It's you not don't want to watch the Pistons. You don't yeah. want to watch the Pistons play. You're good. That's that's a solid way to do it. Could any of us so, name another, besides for him and Blake Griffin, like name two other Pistons? Dude, I was uh, legitimately going to say Drummond. <laughs> Reggie Jackson is still on the Pistons, right? Mason Plumley, Reggie Jackson. They've Jackson's got... still on the Pistons? No, he's not. What? He's not. He's not. not. He went back after the clips or something. I was so confused. He's back. Stanley Johnson. Stanley Johnson. Oh my God. Rip Hamilton. I think think Stan Van Gundy's still there. (laughs) That's Uh, that's George. Derek Rose. Derek Rose. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah, Derek Rose. Oh yeah, yeah. He does have Derek Rose actually. Somebody has him on the fantasy team, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, you didn't want to drop him. Yeah, they they were shitting on me for not dropping him, and then the next game he got fifty point fifty two points. So now I'm gonna roster him for like another three weeks while he gets ten. Yeah, every game. Yeah, like an average about fifteen probably. Yeah, I guess solid, solid. Him and Blake. All right. So Jeremy Grant, as you're well aware, is like lighting it up in Detroit. He's averaging twenty five points a game. We've never seen him do this anywhere else he's been. So my argument is that there's a certain sect of players that are just good enough to put up like basically on any team, someone has to put up 20, right? I don't care how bad you are. Someone is going to average 20 points a game. That's Jeremy Grant for the Pistons. You know, (laughs) if you put him on a good team, there's no way he's going to get anywhere close to that. But if you put him on the Pistons, Oh, he'll give you 25 a night. Easy (laughs) walking bucket on the Pistons. The Marcus Morris effect. Yeah. That's how we developed the Grant line. And my perfect example, if you, if Jeremy Grant is enough, was Marcus Morris last year on the Knicks, right? That dude has no reason. Like he, sh- there's, he, there's no reason why he should be averaging 20 points, but he was on the Knicks yeah. because someone has to get 20. <laughs> so thus the Grant line. The players not, that on a good team would be like a decent role player coming off the bench, but on a bad team can like lead the team in scoring. Maybe not efficiently, you know, won't lead them to wins, but he'll get his own buckets. It's like uh, the, uh, Josh Richardson. When he was averaging like 25 on the heat and then he went to the Sixers and averaged like 80 or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect example. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so we got, we got a list of players that we want to run down through here. And okay. again, this is the grant line, not the Mendoza line or the Delhi line. <laughs> if a player's above the grant line, it means that they're not necessarily only good on bad teams or like only studs on, on uh, bad teams. And if they're below the grant line, it means that even on the Pistons, they couldn't average 20. Simple enough. Okay. Let's go with my first nominee from the Chicago Bulls, Kobe White. 
Would you say he's above or below the Grant line? I'd say he's below. What do you guys think, Darcy and Josh? I definitely agree. <laughs> I actually, I think he's going to be on the Grant line. <laughs> he's right off the line. He's like, I think he's on the line. No, he's, he's, hitting, he's hitting 250. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah he, exactly. is, he is a second-year player, and he's already averaging 16 points per game. He's only 19. On a pretty shitty team. So give him one or two more years. He'll be over 20 per game and probably still on a shitty team. And right there, boom, Grant line material. Yeah. I'm with Josh. I think he's on the Grant line. I don't mm. think he's above it. I don't think he's below it. I think he's right on it. Well, no, the key thing, he's going to develop into the oh, Grant Oh, he's line. going to be, he's soon going to be in the Grant line. Okay. Yes. All right. He's developing into it. That's like his, yeah. his ceiling. Okay. That is his I mean, ceiling. he's still young, like he can score, but yeah. I mean, because I'm also thinking of the, like the Grant line on my head, like how good of a player I actually think they're going to be. So if like the Grant line is like a mediocre player, yes, yeah. I don't really see him, you know, reaching that, you know, like a, a mediocre player in the NBA, but mm-hmm. I don't know. He's like, I guess if he was on the Lakers, would be would he be a helpful contributor? The like I think Jeremy Grant could be a contributor to the Lakers. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like I think he could contribute. I think he'd be worse than uh, Schroeder is, though. I oh, mean, he's way agreed. Above the agreed. Line, yeah, yeah. Schroeder is one hundred percent above the Grant line. I agree. Yeah, I think so too. Okay. What about um? Right. I, I got one for you, Marcus Smart. Ooh. Above the Grant line. Oof. I want to say above because I think he actually could score on a bad team, and he's been on a good team basically his whole career. He's been he's been an important player on a good team for a a while now. That's his role in the Celtics. Yeah, Um, Mm -hmm. and with the way he likes to fire up shots and just go on some heaters, if he was on a bad team, he would take fifty shots to score twenty if he had to. (laughs) This man would will that into existence. Bradley Beal production, basically on fifty shots. Yeah. Grant line. I think that's a Grant line example. You you put him on it. I would put Marcus Smart on the Grant line. Yeah, same. I'd put it. I put him on it. Good player. Probably he probably would put up a lot of shots, so he'd probably get the points. Less efficient yeah. than Jamie Grant, actually. For sure, definitely. Thirty-two percent yeah. from three. <laughs> Shooting him at will. How about one of my favorite players in the NBA right now, Christian Wood on the Houston Rockets? Previously on the Detroit Pistons, lots of lineage to the Pistons here. It's true. Is Christian Wood above, below, or on the Grand Line? I would say as he's playing right now, he's above it. I mean, this is like the maybe second year he's ever been good. I mean, like I would say the Rockets are actually not a bad team. Is he the rare player that went from below to above the Grand Line without ever spending any time on it? Well, I mean, he's a player that, that went from not even being in the NBA to being in the NBA <laughs> and then just jumping above the Grand Line. So. He made a huge leap there. <laughs> Dude. No, he was he was on the Grant Line last year for the Pistons. That that was his time on the Grant Line, and since then he's transcended above it. Yeah, would you rather have Christian Wood or, or Jeremy Grant? If you were the Pistons. <laughs> I, I, don't say, I hope they pick Jeremy Grant. <laughs> <laughs> they pick Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumley, but <laughs> they're like, let me get the Nuggets trash ass players over here. <laughs> That sucks, dude. <laughs> so I guess by default, like the Pistons think he's below it, but I think we all agree he's above it then. Yeah, I would say above it. All right. I, I like this one. I think this one's pretty good. Julius Randle. Mm. Mm. This one is tough. My problem with Randle and the first thing that came to mind, have we seen Randle on a good team yet? Have we ever seen him play for 
a legit playoff contender. 2020-21 New York Knicks? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> in the mix. Six seed, in six the mix. Seed, yeah. <laughs> Two game lead. I mean, like in my opinion, he's he's like on the on the line because he is playing really good this year. I've also seen him where he's averaging like you know like twelve and you know seven <laughs> or something. Like exactly. when he was on like the Lakers. But I mean he does look good this year though. Like Marcus I would say Moore. on it for now, probably for his whole career, he's probably below it though. Yeah, he's on the grant line, right? He's putting up 22 yeah. points, you know, on the On Knicks. a bad team, yes. Marcus Morris, <laughs> he good, torch. He does, he does. And he does. He, exactly. He's facilitating, great passer, rebounds pretty well. Probably all – his rebounds and assists, if I had to guess, are higher than Grant's, although his scoring slightly his below. Are. Yeah. yeah, but he has, like, the ball in his hands a lot more than, than a Grant. <laughs> yeah, that's, like, that's true. Like, he's in, a point guard. like, the pick and roll a lot. He, he seems to be making, like, like, a lot of the decisions. Uh, Reynolds also – Maybe this is just news to me. He's also only 26. I would have guessed that he was older because he feels like I don't know if you can say only after at that point. <laughs> I just feel like after 23, you're not you can't say only anymore. <laughs> unless they unless they've been in the league for four years. If you were like I Brandon Ingram's only su- 23, okay, I guess. I just wouldn't be surprised if he was 30. That's all. I would have guessed 27, 28. Yeah, he was he was in the league at 18. Dang. That's crazy. <laughs> He's been yeah. around for a while. I'd put him below it. Below the Grant line. Yeah. Although I, yeah, just because Grant's done it on good teams and Randall hasn't. Although well, I don't know what okay. Grant's done on good teams, but yeah, he's <laughs> played on good teams. <laughs> Their field goal percentage is about the same. So how about as efficient? Anyway. <laughs> what about um, Aaron Gordon? I want to say he's above it, but nothing has shown me that he is. <laughs> I think, no, Aaron Gordon's, Aaron Gordon is. 100% below because he he's averaging 12 points per game for his entire career and he's been on a lot of bad teams and he's been he's been the quote-unquote focal point for the Orlando Magic and the guy who was supposed to be in charge there and supposed to be kind of helping to guide their offense along ever since he came into the league back in 2014 and despite having all the opportunity he's still only averaged 12 points a game I don't think he's even close to being on the grant line yeah, I guess I'd have to say below. Like, I guess in my mind, when I think of Aaron Gordon, I think that he's good for some reason. Right. But when he's only averaging 12 <laughs> points for his career, I guess he has to be below. He, has to be he, had, below he had one year was where he was averaging like 18, and in, and it was a bad team, right? So that, that year he was on the grant line. But, like, I feel like in all of our heads, we just imagine 18-point a game Aaron Gordon, which hasn't existed yeah. for four years. Yep. So like, just, like, see his, like, dunks and, like, the dunk contest in my mind, and I'm like, damn, that guy has to be good. Yeah, right. What about okay? So part of, part of the Aaron Gordon thing here. If he was, if a, a really good team needed a fourth best player, a fourth option, uh, would you rather have Jeremy way. Grant or Aaron Gordon? I think right now Aaron Gordon is below the Grant line, but I, I, part of me wants to say I'd rather have Aaron Gordon in that situation. Is it no, like I a scoring have... option or like a just like just, your you fourth best player? You just yeah, you don't have context. You just know he's yeah, the fourth best player. I take Jeremy Grant then. Yeah, Aaron Gordon actually has a lot of holes in his game, a lot of glaring holes and deficiencies in his game. He hasn't been great passing the ball, even though he's supposed to be like a big man who can kind of be a point forward. And his defense has been lacking for years now, despite his size, despite his strength. I think like because of some of those big holes, he wouldn't be a great fourth option. I would want Grant. Damn, Aaron Gordon, what a revelation below the Grant line. How sad. Yeah. All right, how about this one? This one, this one's a good one. Tobias Harris. <laughs> <laughs> basically the better Aaron Gordon basically, <laughs> basically Grant line Aaron Gordon yeah. <laughs> old man Tobias yeah Tobias will kill it in the Y that's for sure 
I think he's on the grant line, right? Like, imagine the Pistons running everything through him. Oh, they did. That's true. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah, Stan. Stan and Greg Van Gundy. Oh, my gosh. The Pistons and the Knicks have the greatest grant line players ever. Greatest. And Well, in terms of grant line, yeah. What do you think, Donnie? Would you rather have Harris or Grant on the Sixers right now? I'd rather have Harris. Like, I think that Harris is just he's just a better player, you know, overall. When he's on, like, the Clippers, he was actually, like, really good. So I would say he's above the grant line. I would say as a Sixers fan, there are definitely times where I think he's super below the grand line. Like, you know, first few games <laughs> of the season when it didn't seem like he knew how to play basketball anymore. I would say he's above overall. On the Pistons, on the Clippers, on the Magic, he's been he's been pretty solid. What's he averaging this year? He's having a good year so far. I don't know what he's averaging. He's averaging 19 points, seven rebounds, yeah. and almost three assists, shooting 50% from the field and 43% from three. What are his attempts versus Grant? 15 attempts right now. For Harris? Yeah. And Grant, I'm going to guess, has like 22. 18. 18 and a oh, half, so uh, round up to 19. I guess here's, here's, a, here's a defining characteristic, though. If he's getting you 30 on a good team, he's above the Grant line for sure. So... You know, if he's in the 20 to 24 range, grant line. But like, would Tobias Harris average more than 24 on the Pistons right now if Jeremy Grant wasn't there? I'd say, yeah. I'm going to put him above it, but I might be biased. I don't think that he would average 30. No, no, no. I'd say more than 24. Yeah. Yeah. Like, maybe more than 24. Like, I feel like he's not really that kind of player, though, that can. He's not anymore. I mean, Tobias used to thrive and like used to work a lot with the ball in his hands. And he, he still does, but I don't think he has the same athleticism that he used to. You know, I don't think he's the guy who can can really control things on the floor in that way. I don't know. In Detroit, well, I think we he, get a lot of touches. Yeah, like he like needs a, yeah. a creator because I feel like he's not a great decision maker. I just feel like, I feel like his game has changed. He's 28 years old now. Um, he's not old. I don't think. Only, only 28. He's only 28. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think his game has slightly changed over the past couple of years and Part of that has been because Tobias has been forced to play off ball. Part of that is also because his game is kind of naturally trending toward that direction as well. And if you factor in the contract, he's way below the grand line. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> if we're going to bring the money into it. He's way, way below the grand line. I mean, that's just, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Okay, got- how about this one? Let me, let me give you this one. Pretend the usage, usage went up, right? So he's not coming off the bench. He's playing in Detroit and a starter. LaMelo Ball. Too soon to tell. below the grand line. I think he might be a grand line player right now. I think he would be putting up 20 points if he had, you know, the freedom to do whatever he wanted. How much did he score in New Zealand? Like 16 and 8 or something like that. If he wasn't a grand line in New Zealand, he's, he's below it. He's below I mean, it in the NBA. He was a grand line in like five years or something, but now he's definitely below it. In five years? That's such a disappointment. I mean, in like he's five years, he'll be what, like, like 23? I mean, yeah, yeah. he'll still yeah. be you're super right. young by then still. So. I just yeah. thought maybe, maybe with the usage, he'd be a Grantline player, but fair enough. Below the yeah. Grantline. I got two more guys I want to throw at you down. We'll start with John Collins on the Hawks. Okay, so I actually like John Collins. So I'm going to say above. His, his, like, his like defense is almost non-existent, but as an offensive <laughs> player, like I think he could put up a lot of points if he was on – if it was just him, which actually might happen soon because it seems like they're kind of trending in that direction. But mm-hmm. like I think that he might be able to get close to 30. Because he can really score, so I'd say above the grand line. I'd say above too. Donnie, do you think he can also produce on a good team and be a valuable piece to a playoff team? I think so. I, I mean, you have to have the right fit. Like I think that he could do it on a good team. It just has to be the right fit. 
or what do you think would be a good fit for him on a good team, you know, on a playoff bound team? I think like on a team, you know, like the Warriors or something where there's a good creator, but someone who's a little bit more unselfish than Trey Young is where he would really be like a big focal point. Uh, maybe like the Heat, like kind of in like the Bam Adebayo role, if like they kind of switch roles. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't put them on a team where the Sixers or even like the Celtics where they have multiple, you know, scoring guards or multiple scoring players. I think Collins would thrive in a situation like the Pacers have right now. If you, if you, yeah. I'm not saying, so I'm not saying that Collins is close to being as good as Sabonis is. Sabonis is McDermott. way better. Uh, but if you, if you would slide Collins into a Sabonis like role with players like Malcolm Brogdon and Oladipo or Harris Levert working on the outside, that's something where I think like Collins could actually work effectively with, with a trio like that, within a trio like that. What about Collins I on think... the magic with Vooch? With Vooch, that'd be sweet. Right. Instead yeah. of Aaron Gordon. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then you get, you get, uh, get, yeah. get Markel Fultz back as well. Have that be your, your top three on the team? I think that's a perfect grant line player, right? Contributor on a good team, but with a reduced role. Perfect grant line player, I think. I got one more for you, if you don't mind, Josh. Draymond uh, Green. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna break this is gonna break the conversation of this podcast uh, right now. I have, I have one more after Draymond. But Okay, so, so I know this is gonna be like blasphemy <laughs> to Jock here, but he has to be below because his offense, like in the last like couple of years, has it really? I mean, it wasn't good, but now it's now it's really bad. So, if you put him on a bad team, I don't think he could. He couldn't get uh, score enough to be over the Grant line. And I honestly think if like Draymond Green wasn't on the Warriors to start his career and and throughout, I don't think he would even be in the NBA anymore. He has to be in like the right system. I think. I mean, like he's like a great defender, but if he's not in the right system, mm-hmm. I don't think he's athletic enough or a good enough scorer to, mm-hmm. you know, to still produce like that. I think Draymond Green somewhat breaks the grant line because of how he's successful in the basketball court right he is not a scorer but i still think at his peak he was one of the most valuable players in the nba so at some point i'm going to introduce a new line and it's going to be the draymond line someone who isn't necessarily putting up big points but is a player that you can plop into an eight seed and that team immediately becomes conference contenders tony allen I think that's Draymond. <laughs> Tony Allen. That's the only other person on the on the Draymond line. It's just those two guys. I can probably think of a few, but yeah, that's the one that no, comes to mind. You're right. So I I think that not every player is best suited to be on the Grant line, right? So you're I think he's below it if we're using Grant line metrics, but that's not the way to, yeah. to grade Draymond Green. That's fair. You'd probably rather fair. have him in his prime on a on a good team than Jeremy Grant on a good team. 100. Yeah. percent Draymond Green yeah. in his prime yeah. on the Nuggets last year. Versus Jeremy Grant on the Nuggets last year, who is non-existent. The, the Nuggets shit. would have won the finals. Yeah, they might have. They really might have won. So <laughs> no, legitimately, right. I think it's a different. Line. I think and his Draymond prime, is that good because they they sucked on defense. So yeah, he might average. But, he might have averaged a triple double if he had started with the team. Warriors, like Donnie said, and then he like went to a bad team. So like once he had his confidence, like four or five years in, and he went to like some shit team, he might have averaged a triple double. But he wouldn't have scored more than eleven points. He's not that old. He's only thirty. He's only 30. He's, he's going to be out of the league in a year or two. He's like, he's. He's washed. Uh, he's, well, not washed, but the decline has been rapid. He's, en- he's ending. <laughs> All right. I got one to close this out and then we can uh, wrap it up. D'Angelo Russell. We got to see him on the Warriors. Granted, it wasn't full strength Warriors or anything, but we got to see him on the Warriors. 
Got to see him with uh, the Nets, seeing him with the Timberwolves. He was a good player on a Nets team that made the playoffs. I think he's right on the grant line. I think there's a there's a minute window where he can be a key role player on a really good team. He really needs to be in the right system for him to be effective in a way that leads to winning basketball. But I think he's definitely on the grant line. He can definitely put up 20 points. He has the usage and has the ball in his hands enough if he's on a bad team. And I think he can also, in the right circumstance, contribute pretty effectively to a contender. We haven't seen that yet, though, because last year with the Warriors was not that because they were riddled with injuries. It didn't count. They weren't the normal Warriors. Maybe we'll see it one day. Grantline. Yeah, I think it's on the Grantline. I'd go slightly below. Just like just a little, just a little, because I do think he's obviously capable of putting up the points. If you were to ask me who I'd rather have in their primes, I'd probably take Jeremy Grant like on any team. He just doesn't need the ball nearly as much. Better defender. I think I'm probably with Darcy. I would say slightly below or on just because – I mean, by the grand line metrics, if you're just talking about the metrics, I'd say that he's above because if you're talking about the points, I think he'll be able to score points on any team. He might be able to get 30 on a bad team. You know, like the Lou Williams role or something, like off the bench, mm-hmm. I think you could get – like he could get like his 20 points. But on a team, I think I'd much rather have Jamie Grant just because of, of the defense, the size – you know, like the intangibles that Russell hasn't shown yet anyway. I think both could be your fourth best player and you'd be okay. So that's why I think he's right. Agree with that. If if D'Angelo ever wins sixth man of the year, it's going to be because he's a part of a really good legitimate contender. Donnie, you nailed, you, like, you nailed it with the Lou Williams comparison. I think if D'Angelo can literally be just Lou Williams for a successful organization, he'll be rolling. Ooh, okay. Last, I know I said I was done, but last one, <laughs> just, I just came, this one came to my head. Yaka Pertle? Great. Yaka, no. <laughs> Ready? Nick Young. Like when he played in his prime, Nick Young. Grantline? Below, below. Way, way below. Way yeah, below. Say, Not even below. close. He did have some high scoring years, but I'd say below. I just, I, I think he's the perfect, like, oh, he'd be cooking on the Knicks right now. <laughs> <laughs> he'd have 24 for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're talking about, like, the metrics of it, then yeah. There's yeah, just because parts. he can put up 30. The, but he can't, 25 though, on because... a good team, or sorry, 25 on a bad team, but also could be a contributor on a good team, you know? So it's like, there has to be some semblance of that. In his best seasons, he averaged 17 points per game. He did that once in 2000. 2010 with Washington and once in 2013 with the Lakers. Beyond that, he's been well below that 20 point line. And for his career, he's only averaged 11 points per game. So I really think he is more of a, of a role player of a, of a corner threat and a three point threat. Damn. I thought he for sure had 20 on one of those Lakers teams. All right. Below the grant line. Your hopes and dreams are just shattered Juan. Yeah. I just, (laughs) I don't know. That was a good one though to throw out. All right. Thanks Donnie for uh, joining us on this uh, grant line segment. Good stuff. And thank and thank Always you fun. to um, all of our listeners for tuning in and as well. Donnie, we really appreciate you coming on. And I wish you the best as you watch your Sixers traverse this NBA season. Real quick before you leave, what are your thoughts on the Sixers, Donnie? Where do you think they're going to land at the end of the season? I think they'll probably land like top four. They had a really hot start. They've had uh, some, you know, some issues with you know, like the COVID stuff. But I think in the end, they'll, you know, probably wash out the top four. I think. I think not getting hardened is going to hurt them, you know, hurt their chances of actually, you know, winning the East. I think Ben Simmons needs to play better. I think Embiid's probably the best uh, season of his career so far, if he can stay healthy. So I think they're in a good spot. But yeah, I mean, I'm kind of hoping 
the trade deadline, they can make some moves to, mm-hmm. you know, like improve some of their uh, missing areas, you know, whether that, you know, be moving Ben Simmons for a guard or, you know, trying to supplement with, you know, like a good scoring guard or a stretch mm-hmm. five or something. I think they need to make some moves, but I think overall it's, it's been a pretty positive year, a lot better than I thought and a heck of a lot better than last year. So yeah, you got a shot. I'm, I'm bullish. You are bullish, Darcy. You think you bullish, think man. the finals? Yeah, as bad as Simmons has been playing, we're still a top four team. And we're, we, I mean, if we if we beat the Celtics tonight, I guess we're in first. It's just it's so close up there. So who the hell knows how it's going to finish? But yeah, I think we're every bit as good as them. Everybody's good as the Celtics. Everybody's good as the Nets because I think the Nets are terrible on defense. Um, it's going to be tough to keep up with them on offense. And who else is up there? The Bucks. I think we match Bucks. up okay with them. I like our chances. I think they'll be competitive. I think those semifinals are going to be really hard to predict. Mm-hmm. Those like last four teams. I, I agree that Donnie made a good point. Like we, we, we need another player. We need an upgrade from Danny green. Um, or we need somebody who's better than Maxi. Like if Maxi was two years in from now, um, I think we'd be in a really good spot, but he's not, I don't think he's ready to take on that series of a role yet. Yeah. I mean, he's like still a young, like I think they need a more established player. I mean, I actually like shake Milton. He's been looking really good. So mm-hmm. If he can, you know, keep on uh, the path that he's going and, you know, maybe he becomes the starter because mm-hmm. he can create his own shot, which, you know, they're like sorely missing because when Simmons is as bad as he's been playing now, they're in a tough spot. And as you've seen from like, the last playoff, you know, years, mm-hmm. I'd say Simmons really hasn't had a good playoffs yet because when, you know, like the defense really locks in, he's not a hard player to, you know, to figure out. I think if they have like Shake Milton or they have – uh, someone better, I think that's really going to help their chances in mm-hmm. a playoff series against one of those teams in the East. Well, hey, we clearly have some basketball to go watch, so we are going to sign off. Donnie, thank you for joining us today. And for Donnie, no for Darcy, for Juan, I am Josh Kane. We are last guys off the bench. Peace out. Peace. Scoop. Peace. Scoop.